Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Right, well, welcome back to our series, Let's Talk Family. I want to welcome also those of you watching online today at our other campuses, also those watching in our video venues, and somebody that might watch this at a later time. Can we put our hands together? Welcome all those that are joining us all over the place. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, let's talk family. Let's do it. Let's talk family. Thank you so much uh, for allowing us to do this format. And this is really neat, this Q&A format we found uh, to be some of the most downloaded content on our website. People going back and watching it. I was talking to my own kids last night and they said it's their favorite. They had friends over there, they said that's our favorite weekend of the year. And uh, so I thought, what about when your dad preaches? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, they said, that's it, that's it. But, <laughs> so, uh, but man, you guys are a part of this because you have submitted questions as well. Thank you so much for uh, submitting your questions through the text. Also our pastoral care team, they're letting us know the questions that you are asking and so, Myself and our team, we've compiled uh, your questions to kind of represent as many of the questions as possible for the time we have and kind of hit some of those main things. So hopefully we're serving and helping with what you need. But here's the thing, no matter what season of life you're in, uh, you have something to gain here. And it's never too early, it's never too late to glean from this wisdom on talking about family. Uh, myself, the best marriage or best parenting advice or some of the best, I actually got when I was in college from Pastor Jim LaFoon. Yeah. I was a college student, and he made the comment, hey, I make the decision now to always go up those stairs and tuck my kids in bed. And 20-something years later, last week, I'm like, okay, am I going to go up the stairs? Yes, I'm going up the stairs. <laughs> Until they get old enough, and they tuck me in when they go to bed yeah, after. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, thank you so much for uh, answering, putting your questions in, and thank you guys so much for being, you know, here, vulnerable to answer these questions. I know the wisdom is going to really impact people. Uh, my wife, Gabrielle, and I, uh, more than a handful of times we've been at your house and kind of some serious situations, kind of asking some of these questions, getting your wisdom and input. And so I want to start, though, uh, with a verse to help just posture our hearts to receive. It's in Proverbs. Proverbs 24.3 may be familiar to you. It says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. So by wisdom. And we want to build our house, we want to build our homes on wisdom uh, today. And you guys have it. You have the experience you also know the word of God, and then you've helped hundreds of people through a lot of these things, and so we're ready to receive uh, just from your wisdom uh, today. So we gotta jump right into it now. Okay. Because we got some, we got some ground to cover. All right, so first question uh, came in, had to do with the, the marriage, uh, preparing for marriage, kind of pre-marriage and even in marriage. And when we do pre-marriage counseling, you guys are doing some right now, and yeah. we all do a lot of pre-marriage counseling, and there's some key things that we're hitting. Right, we're hitting communication, we're hitting finances, we're hitting intimacy, uh, it's about in-laws and you know, children and even talking about faith. So there's some real key things that we hit. But when you're sitting down with a couple, what is kind of the best of the best, Brandy? What's the, one of the main things you're hoping just to, to really to give to them? Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, because we have been doing this for years, I do have lots of thoughts and ideas that I could share with you about it, but I really wanna go to the Word of God because without the Word of God and what He says, because He designed this whole thing, my thoughts are just thoughts and ideas. So let's start there, and then I wanna chat about it for a minute. It says in Ephesians 5.25, it says, "'Husbands, love your wives, "'just as Christ also loved the church "'and gave Himself up for her.'" 
so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. And I wanna hone in on this verse. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So this is the principle that we teach on a lot when we're talking about marriage, and it's the principle of love and respect. And um, you know, the Bible specifically talks about it, but we found that in our own marriage and with other people that this is actually a huge concept, is that when I'm dealing with a situation with my husband, that I have to choose to respect even when I don't feel like it. Now you say, well, Brandy, you know, that's, that's easy for, you know, you, you're married to a pastor, so I'm sure he deserves it. He's a saint. You know, you don't know my husband, you know. Um, <laughs> but really, in life, it's not about if he deserves it. It's, you don't ever do anything based on what somebody else deserves. You do it based on who Christ is in you. And so I don't ever respect anybody because they necessarily deserve respect. I respect them because I'm a respectful person and because it's a principle of God. And then it talks about um, you know, husbands loving their wives, but you say, well, if he just loved me well, then I would respect him more. But the principle is that you go first. You don't wait for anybody else to do something, to do the right thing. You have to take the initiative. You have to go first. And you say, but I don't know because I'm trying to find something to respect him about. You know, I call it the Gideon principle. If you know the story of Gideon in the Old Testament, uh, God told him that he was actually going to conquer an army. But he was like, no, 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 I couldn't do that. I'm the least, I'm the youngest, I'm the all the things. You know, he was given all the reasons why well, he wasn't qualified to do that. And he was actually hiding out. And God looked at him and said, no, you're a mighty warrior. I've called you to this and I'm gonna see you through it. Sometimes you might not think that your husband has all the qualities that you want, but why don't you start just calling out the qualities that you do see in him that are good? You know, calling out things that you wanna see in him that maybe you don't see yet that you're speaking by faith. You are a man of God. You are a great husband. You are such a good father. I love it when you do this. You're so good at that. And it's amazing that when you start calling that out in them, how they actually might just wanna rise up and be everything you think they are. It's really, and y'all are being quiet, like, I don't know if that'll work. I promise you, try it. <laughs> try it. it. Go first and start calling out in your husband what you want to see in him and what you believe God has made him to be, and just see if he doesn't rise up and meet those expectations. Yeah. There's a book written several years ago around this concept. Obviously, the Bible is where the concept comes from. Really, that whole section of scripture gives you the pattern for the home and marriage, that verse written by the Apostle Paul, a man leaves his father and mother, joined to his wife. Uh, he's leaning on Jesus, Jesus is leaning on Genesis. So the pattern for the home is clearly defined by the architect and designer of the home, God himself. And then it's all summed up in, what do you do? Well, it's love from the husband mm -hmm. and respect from the wife 
the concept in the, the book that was written is there's, there's a crazy cycle that develops when that doesn't happen. Right. So over the years when Brandy and I are having a, let's say, passionate discussion. <laughs> Call it that. Yeah, a passionate discussion. Yeah. Uh, she's a passionate person, I'm a passionate person, so you know, the making up is good, but anyway, the passionate is, is just, <laughs> hey, oh. but, uh, but in that, we literally early on started just going right to it. Hey, we're, we're in a crazy cycle like, here. Let's, let's jump off. Let's jump, jump off, off let's, let's break yeah. out of it, let's take a break. Um, and, and understanding these principles. Husbands, the Bible says in 1 Peter, literally, you have an impact on your prayers. Right. You might think, look, my family, there are just challenges. I'm praying about financial things. I'm praying about my job. I'm praying about my kids. Single greatest principle in the home is, again, even with this relationship related to the other things. First Peter 3 says, be considerate of her. Consider her needs. So you should know how to love her, okay? How do you love her? I know Brandy's love language, quality time with her, the beach, jewelry. Uh, should we keep going? But anyway, she's, she's an expensive person to love, okay? It's but anyway. Uh, <laughs> or easy, you have a lot of options. Yeah, you've got lots of options. you got lots but of options. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but it's amazing how the, the whole temperature changes when I go first and find ways to love her. First Peter 3 says this, when you live with your wife in a considerate way, when you consider her, when you love her, so that your prayers be not hindered. Right. Your prayers may not be going higher than the ceiling, all related to how you're relating to your wife. I didn't say that, I didn't make it up, it's in the Bible. Great stuff, guys, really, really good. All right, next question here. And here's a question where 15 years ago, they weren't asking this. Yeah. This, was, this is a growing and growing question. Here it is, how would you say technology has affected the family in today's culture and what's some wisdom or spiritual direction that you could offer? It's a common question. We get a lot of these now. We as parents in this generation, we are, we are what's called digital natives, right? We are the first set of parents raising kids who were born and raised with technology, all right? So I remember my first email Oh, yeah. They told me at the Baylor Computer Lab that you could do this thing called email. <laughs> email was brand new. We were yeah. old. Yeah. You've got mail. Okay, so. And it's like. <laughs> yeah. And if okay. somebody's on the phone, it's like. Eh, eh. Yeah. Yeah, busy. You can't send that email. Yeah, Y'all might not understand this. but saying how yeah. old we are. But anyway, uh. okay, so. It, it, it is a new thing, and so I just want to offer, I always want to say this because Brandy and I even were, were learning along the way, made some mistakes, were not engaged enough. If whatever level of engagement you're at with your children regarding technology, go to another level. Right. Because the truth is you can even put passcodes and things and different things. They, they're smarter than us. If you want to know how to work the remote, give it to a three-year-old, okay? They, they know how to handle these things. So the engagement level, obviously, it, it's, it's an engagement, too, as you're processing with them where they feel the freedom to tell you what's really going on. Do not let this be an isolated place. I can't tell you how many parents 
that we have talked with and they're like, oh, they have, that, that's their computer. They're, it's, it's a private world. You don't, you don't want that. You want to be engaged, coaching them, listening to them, building a safe place where they can tell you whatever. It's not a matter of if something bad they see. It's a matter of when that happens. So how are they going to process that with you? So I would encourage you to take your engagement up, massive, massive piece. Um, I would say to some of you young families, you don't, they don't have to get a phone. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, well, okay, they're in the fifth grade, all their friends have one. Look, we had, our kids were, were a lot older before they got a phone, and I'm, that's a personal preference, but I'm just saying you're empowered and they, they will be okay. They will live. <laughs> they will live if they don't. Most of the people who created technology, just so you know this, when you study the research, most of the people that's created these things that are giving them to us do not allow their own kids to have right. them until they're older because they recognize the psychological effects and the other things that happen with technology. So I would encourage you to take your level of engagement up. It's not just, obviously, pornography and some of that type of content, I wanna also encourage you with something we walked our teenagers through. You have another parent, another voice. So for pastors, you, used to you went to church, you listened to your pastor. When you were in your home, you listened to your parents. You had to go to your parents, your grandparents, your aunts or your uncles to find out how life works. Yeah. Now there's a whole other set of voices. And I had times with my teenagers where I was like, now you believe what? You, you what? Like, like, you're in my home. I'm a pastor. We have the authority of the word. Remember, they're getting voices, and I'm not talking about just content like pornography, poison, anti-biblical worldview ideas and ideologies that sound real smart, and they just come through that fountain all the time of that technology. So I would encourage keeping a dialogue where you consistently talk about what's called a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview is you see the lens, you see the world through the lens of how God's word sees it. And because they're influenced so much by people that are popular, smart, this or that, have a great profile online, we don't know how it's working in their real life. But they have the opportunity to influence your children, so you better be having conversations related to these other voices right. that are parenting your kids. Right. And even with younger kids, you know, I just want to put this out there. Technology cannot parent your children. It is not a substitute for you. I see it everywhere I go. If I'm at a doctor's office, a dentist's office, if I'm waiting anywhere, parents just sitting there on their phone while their kids are on a tablet, and they're using that to make their kids behave. Yeah. Hmm. Let me just set you free. It's okay for your kids to be bored. It's okay for your kids to wonder what they need to do. You know what? When they're bored is when they get to use their imagination. When they actually start thinking up ideas and making up fun stories and all the things that we used to do when our kids, when our parents just locked us out of the house in the 80s and said, go find something to do. And you played outside and you drank out of the water hose and it was all, you know. But we feel like we have to entertain our children or do something so that they'll behave. It is not technology's job to make my kids behave. It's mine. And I will not let that technology substitute for my parenting. So I encourage you, it's easy to just throw something in front of them, keep them distracted, but distraction is not a parenting technique. Very and so I just encourage you to. When, when they get to the phase of having technology, we had a social media, a technology contract, contract that we wrote out with our kids because yeah. it's a privilege. Yeah. 
It's, it's not a right. So I would encourage you as your kids get up into certain stages where you begin to give them that freedom. Especially that when freedom. it comes to different social media outlets yes. and things like that, mm-hmm. that you start talking about it. And then we would do a contract with our kids where they were part of helping us write the contract. And we would make rules, you know, related to their privileges, because it is a privilege, it's not a right. It's a privilege to have the phone, so you get this privilege as long as we abide by these rules, and we would come up with it together, and they would sign it, and so, you know, that way we knew, you know, Habakkuk says, and the Lord answered, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. We really empower our kids when we write it down and, you know, say, okay, we've written it down, here's what the rules are, so if you, if you break these rules, you've chosen to lose that privilege. I don't have to take it away from you. You've chosen to give it up. And so you just make that with them and then you just expect them and you give them the responsibility to be able to handle it. The context of that scripture, by the way, is not just write down the goals for your company. The truth is this scripture is written in the context of how do we take God's principles and bring them into culture. So Habakkuk saying, we need to take these principles and truths of God write them down so that the people will begin to understand God's principles and be able to actually walk them out in real life. Really, really good, guys. All right, so what happens, though, when you take that phone away, then there's a reaction, which brings us to our next question. And uh, we have a lot of people raising young kids and raising kids. Here's some questions that came in. Um, How do you respond to tantrums? How do you get your toddler to stop lying? Uh, What's the overarching principle for discipline? And I guess here sums it up. How do we get them to behave? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Help us with that. Yeah, you know, I mean, we wish there was just a, a magic formula, but it takes a lot of hard work. And I would say the first thing is that kids need to know there are consequences. I feel like we feel like, oh my goodness, you know, I don't want to hurt, hurt my children. I don't want to be, it actually hurts your children for them not to feel consequences because one day they're going to be in the real world and there are real consequences sure. for their actions. Mm-hmm. And so they need to find that out in a safe place, which is their home. Mm-hmm. And um, for us now, you know, people say, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's actually not what the Bible says. The Bible actually says in Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. So we wanna be careful to discipline our children, and for us, we did spank our kids. Now, there are other forms of discipline. I know a lot of people are a little bit averse to that because maybe you had somebody that was particularly harsh in your life with that discipline and didn't show you a lot of love. Um, But we have, we've chosen, my kids are like, why do you have to spank us? And I said, you know, for some reason, I don't know how it works out, but your brain happens to be attached to your bottom. I I don't know, it it just works out that way. You know, and I love my children. Nothing about me ever wanted to spank. I adore kids. I got to do this outreach with Serve Day. For, we gave out shoes to like a couple of hundred toddlers. And every time I saw one in the car, I was like, you want to go home with me? No. Like, I, I just, I mean, <laughs> it ain't uh, I just, I love kids. <laughs> but I love them too much. And this is what I would tell them. I love you too much to let you act like that because I want you to grow up to love Jesus and be a respectful person. And so whatever you do in your discipline, you have to be careful to make sure that you do follow through because your kids are smart. And they'll know if you just say, you know, well, you're gonna get, you know, when we get home and then they get home and it's like, yeah, they forgot, no worries, I can do that again. And also one of the things that we did, and it was a principle that we really stood on with our kids as first time obedience. We never counted to three, um, because if I'm asking them not to run out in the street to get hit by a car, I don't want them to wait till three when it's too late. 
I want them to obey the first time. And in life, it's not necessarily a physical car, but there's a lot of things they need to obey the first time because it could be detrimental to them. And so those are just some principles that we used, but. I, th I think in, in current culture, working with a lot of young families, I think there's a narrative that you'll hurt your kid's self-esteem if you discipline them. See, it takes discipline to discipline. Right. So if you'll, if you'll just fight the battle and win it a few times, it won't be as hard to work all the time if you consistently just allow the manipulation that comes from your kids because you feel rejected. And I think a lot of parents are, you know, today at least, there's kind of a generation that has allowed the kid to be the CEO. It's amazing how scared we are of a three-year-old today and um, how they can just rule the entire world. I would say about self-esteem, Kids who have boundaries and recognize they're not the authority have more self-esteem. Right. So I would encourage you as safe. a parent, they feel safe within an, an environment that has boundaries. And it's so. not just about their actions, it's about their heart. About if you're heart. just parenting to their actions because you're embarrassed or, oh my gosh, I can't believe they just threw that fit in mm -hmm. Target and, oh my gosh, what I'm, you know, you're gonna get it. But it's really about the heart. It's about what's in there. And it's getting not just about discipline and the actions, but really going to, you know, what's in your heart right now? What's going on in there so that you're parenting that? And then after your discipline, you don't, you know, you're not like, See, now you deserve that, now go to your room. We always had a moment of restoration. Discipline, it's not just to, to, you know, to punish them, but for restoration in the relationship. So we always had a moment, we love our kids. We love you, we hug them, we tell them, we do this because, you know, every kid loves to do this, we do this because we love you, right? You know, but it's true, we love you too much, so. Here's a, just a guiding principle for young families. You love your kids, does anybody else love your kids? Or just like Do the grandparents want to watch them or do they destroy their house, okay, because you don't discipline them? Don't set your kids up for everyone else in culture to say, ah, here comes so-and-so, and it's our responsibility to discipline. Very God good. God made us the parents for a reason. All right, so we're talking about parenting. These kids, they, they get older, they grow into the teen years, and stakes get higher. Yeah. This morning I was thinking, it's almost like you're raising toddlers and Younger children, it's kind of like a drive in a country road. I mean, you, got, you can navigate, you can pull over if you need to get some help, instruction. There's photo ops over here. Then all of a sudden, that road just gets onto a highway all of a sudden. Yes. Things are coming at you faster. There's no exits. There's no help. And you're just, yeah. you're going. And so with the stakes higher, the concern of parents to really do it right gets higher. This is a question that came in, I think it really hits the target. Some mom saying, I'm asking for a prayer for wisdom on how to be obedient to God's direction in my parenting. My daughter's about to leave for college. My son's about to enter high school. I feel like I'm losing. What can I do? Uh, so to summarize this and many others that came in regarding raising teens, how do you know if you're doing it right? I mean, I would, I would say, first of all, don't underestimate the seeds that you're planting. Yeah. Seeds don't always shoot right up and you can see the fruit of it, right? So know that when you're planting those seeds, you know, and you're watering that, then eventually you're gonna see a harvest on that. And it may not be right away. But the best thing you can do in the midst of that is to keep them talking. Because if you're communicating, you're gonna know what's in their heart. If they're talking to you, all the things that says that out of the mouth flows all of the issues of the heart. So if you keep them talking, you're gonna know where they're at. Where, you know, where they're at with their friends, what's going on socially, what's going on at school, and all of those things. One of the things I love to do is I always love to just have them 
all at my house. When I had teenagers, I'm like, bring all your friends here and I'll cook for them and I'll, you know. And some days it was, I was busy and I threw pizza out and popcorn with a bunch of M&Ms thrown in. It's amazing, they're not hard, you know, when it comes to that. I'll go for that. But, um, but I would just cook for them. I would have them in my kitchen and then I'd be standing there serving everybody and then you know, one of my kids would ask me a question which would open the door for me to really talk to all of them. Like, hey, what's going on? What are you, oh, you got that going on? And tell me about that. And then next thing you know, it's like, hey, Miss Little, what do you think about such and such? And so it's just amazing that if you'll just kind of bring them into your environment and feed them and love on them, what I found is so many kids don't have a safe home environment. If you'll just bring them in and feed them, it's amazing the influence you can have. But I would tell you, when it comes to parenting teenagers, you can't be afraid to talk about anything. Mm. You can't be afraid to talk about anything because they've got real life stuff going on. And if they say something, you're like, oh, oh my, you, what? Did <laughs> you, you just like say that? that? Oh, some inside you're doing that. And you're like, keep a straight face, keep a straight face. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. You know, and then, but it opens a door for you to get to have a great conversation because if you don't get to talk to them, somebody's telling them something, mm. their technology's telling them something, so, you know, somebody that's giving them the wrong influence. So just be there, let them talk. And another thing is, a lot of times what your teenager wants to do is they wanna reject you and see if you'll press in or not. But what we do so many times is they push back and they reject us and we just retreat and get rejected and get our feelings hurt. But as parents, we don't have the luxury to get our feelings hurt and be rejected. We have to keep pressing in past that. And so, and just really keep, you know, it's amazing. The teenage years is a period of insecurity and I don't, I don't know if it's technology or culture. In my experience of working with teenagers, I recently, because of our Milestone College, started doing just almost like career counseling with groups of teenagers. And so I've been having dinners with them and sitting, talking about their future. And I have to tell you, I mean, it, there is a, a, a different level of anxiety, fear, and, and just some new emotional things going on among young people today. So if it, this, this is incumbent on us to know who we are in Christ, because if they're asking the question of, I don't know who I am, we have to ask God to give us security so that we don't let them isolate. Dads, date your daughters. Moms, date your sons. Get involved in their, engage with them. They, even when they're pushing you away, I can't tell you how many teenagers I've heard say, thank you for fighting for me. Thank you for pressing in. So I would just, I wanna be the voice to encourage you. Keep pressing in, keep reaching out. Don't allow the rejection to push you away. I'm, I'm kind of a goal person, so I like to know what do, what do I set as my goals for the teenage years or in general? So before my kids became teenagers, uh, a guy who I really believe has some real wisdom on teenagers, I attended a seminar that he was putting on and he's a, he's a biblical Christian. He said these things and I thought, I'm gonna make those mine. So this is not me being a genius, it's just me getting around people who are talking about the subject. And he, he said he had four targets and so I began to make these targets, targets for my children. Number one, I want you to love the God that I love. So can I encourage you with teenagers, parents, you want to expose them. I'm so thankful for Pastor Tyron our youth department, these, these kids that are getting baptized, those are at those retreats where we take their phones away, we send them away, they get in, in an encounter with God. So I, my kids played sports, I played sports, hobbies, look, but sports, academics, the, the, they could be the, the, the top academic or the top athlete, 
but when they leave your home, the Holy Spirit is what you need inside of them. Right. Because it's the Holy Spirit that will guide them. So my encouragement would be put them around environments that facilitate them loving the God that I love. I want them to love the God that I love. I want them to understand their gifts so that they can steward it. I wanna help them find their purpose. I've, I've been doing this with teenagers and, and just having the conversation with them. Parents, let's help them. They're not all called to an Ivy League school. They're not, most of them are not gonna become a pro athlete. Right. I mean, what, if, if it's a trade school, if it's a skill, if it's college, if it's academics, Whatever it is, help them find their purpose, help them find their gifts, help them find their place, how to handle money. Yeah. We want them to learn how to handle money. Yeah. I mean, the joke today is participation trophies and kids today are entitled and they don't understand how money works. They don't understand the, the economic system of the scripture. Well, let's teach them that, okay? I required my kids to go through some, some financial training and stuff if you want me to continue to help with college. I mean. Uh, give allowance, create responsibility. Don't buy every single thing for them. Right. Begin to let them understand how money works. And the final thing is, I had an agreement with my kids early on, I wanna help you with this marriage thing because it's big. A lot of times they feel on their own regarding that decision. Yeah. So if you have younger kids, begin to facilitate an agreement that we wanna help with this decision. We can't tell you who to marry but you do want pastors, re relationships, friends, and your parents to help you with who not to marry. Yeah, so we affectionately call him the gatekeeper. Yeah, I, I'm the gatekeeper with locks. <laughs> Lots of gates. The whole bit, I got the whole bit. Um, awesome. So you wanna be involved in that decision. Those are just four things That's that I think stuff. are big. Great stuff. All right, final question, and then hopefully we have some time to get to the speed round, if possible. Here it is. How do you bring spirituality into your home, how do you make it practical? I mean, we're all picturing the little household, it's devotions every night, you <laughs> preach, you sing at the piano, Brandy, but for of the rest course, of us, yes. what do we, yeah. <laughs> Y'all haven't seen my piano skills? Oh, that disqualified me in our first church. I didn't play the, piano. Didn't play the piano, it was, it was very yeah. sad. Um, no, I wish we did all of that, but that's not really practical in our home and it's probably not practical for you either. What we try to do as our kids were even little, just when they were, before they could even talk, we, I would just sing them songs, just, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made, you know, Father Abraham, deep and wide, you know, Jesus loves you, all the things. And I would just get those little songs in their heart and mind. And as they were able to start talking, then we would, one of the first things we taught all of our kids was John 3, 16. And you say, well, they don't even know what it means. And they didn't, they could recite it. It was a great party trick. But at the end of the day, when all of a sudden God enlightened their heart, the word was already there. So we would teach them scriptures before they could even understand what it meant so that when God enlightened their heart as they got older, the word was already in their heart because they're sponges when they're little. So it's a great time to get them to memorize scripture. And then when God comes in, it's just, it's amazing that they, it's already there and all of a sudden they're like, oh, so when it said this, it means this. But as they got older, you know, they're like, okay, mom, you know, enough, enough with this is the day, you know, they're like, just wanting to go to, you know. Um, we, you know, I would just try to do things to encourage him if I knew they were specifically going through something. Um, you know, my son, he went through a lot growing up. Um, for whatever reason, things just didn't come easy for him. He had three major eye surgeries where his eyes were crossed. They had to cut the muscles, reposition his eyeballs, and sew them back three times. He had double jaw-breaking surgery where they had to break both of his jaws. Even going to college, he had to go on a liquid diet and could barely talk. Um, 
for whatever reason, things didn't come easy for him. And sometimes he would get discouraged. And so I said, you know what, Caleb, your name is not a mistake. When we named you when you were a baby, we named you after Caleb in the Bible. And it says when Caleb and Joshua faced the giants, they came back and they weren't scared like everybody else. It said Caleb had a different spirit. So I would go right on his mirror with an expo marker. This is a great thing, get you a good expo marker and go right on their mirrors. Caleb is of a different spirit. You got this son, love mom. You know, to my girls, they all shared a bathroom together. A harsh word stirs up anger, <laughs> but a gentle answer turns away wrath. You know, love mom, you know. <laughs> and so you just bring things in. It's funny when Hannah and Caleb were little, they were 13 months apart and they, we called them Bonnie and Clyde. They were such a mess. And I remember, you know, I would teach them, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, had to memorize it, memorize it, memorize it. One day I think Hannah hauled off and hit Caleb. And so he hauled off and hit her back and he said, I did what you said, mom, do unto others as they do to you. <laughs> I think we're gonna have to work on that, buddy. I think we missed a little part right there, you know. So you just do little things. It's just part of life. It's not a thing that's an hour in our day. It's life. Yes. As we walk, as we stand, as we're going down the road, when we sit at dinner, everything revolves around God and what he's doing in our life and his word. Awesome. So. Deuteronomy speaks about as you're walking along the path, incorporate it into your life. That would be my greatest advice. Be, bringing spirituality into your home is really not even just about teaching, but about modeling. Right. And it's about bringing it into the discussion, bringing God's word. I know we keep saying that, Isaiah 55. And I wanna encourage some of you who feel like my kid's off here, or my kid's off there. Maybe even you have older children and you're like, we did this. They have a will, they have their own choices, but we're praying and standing with you because Isaiah 55 is a promise. The word will not return void. Yes. It's still at work in there. Yes. So when we sow the word of God, we're not standing on our opinions, we're standing on the truth of God's word. And we have tools to partner with you. I, I, I love that our kids team, because I know some of you feel intimidated. You're like, I'm not a pastor. Where do I start this big Bible? You start by saying it's the authority in our house. It's good. It, it, it never goes out of style and you receive from that which you give authority. So we set that up, but then we have tools for you. Like this is a tool for our families right now for, for your children. You can hang it on the mirror, you can hang it on the door. It has a verse. You could just, as you're tucking them in, use this tool. There's a verse for every single week and this is what they're being taught in children's church. This is a, a preschool tool that we have made as a resource for your, you as parents, if you have preschoolers that you can walk them through. This little book right here, if you're like, I want my children to learn uh, about Jesus, we have this little coloring book, you could let them walk through that. We're trying to partner with you as parents to help sow the word of God, and, and, and I wanna say this as well. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but Get your kids in church, you know? I mean. And we're all here, so. We're all here, so I'm not. Good stuff, yeah. That's like the pastor at Sunday night church. He's mad he's there, so he's like preaching at the people who are there, but I'm not doing that. But anyway, um, it's, it's just, it today, culture, when I grew up, you did not play ball on Sunday. You, you had Sunday church, you went to church, you went and ate fried chicken and took a nap, weren't those awesome days? <laughs> and you got extra fried chicken for the preacher, praise God. <laughs> so, but, but, but there's something about putting your kids in that consistent atmosphere. My kids have been impacted. It's Brandy and I, 
Pastor Stephen and Gabby are great pre-marriage counselors, great parents, other Pastor Tyrant, just the relationships, the small group leaders. I'd, I'd say prioritize, if you want your home to be spiritual, prioritize environments to help you build that. Right. So have them in church, awesome. big deal. Awesome, all right, speed round, a couple of questions here real quick. Um, this is an important question. We have a lot of blended families here yeah. with us. And this question came in, we're a blended family and the values and cultures of the two homes uh, my kids spend time in are very different. How do I help my kids process through this and how should I look at it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, it goes back to there's no simple answer because blended families and, you know, if two families have different values, it's very tricky and I don't want to take away from that. But the one thing that I think overarching that you can do to help the situation is always to honor. So you honor, say you're remarried, you honor your new spouse to both, to your children, right? You always honor them, but then you also honor your ex-spouse and their spouse, because at the end of the day, your, your children are gonna be in both of those environments. So you may not agree with them, but you still have to honor their authority as their parents. And so when you do that, you teach your kids to honor and respect authority. Because what's the worst is if you say, well, you have to do this over here. If, if you teach them to honor them, they'll probably do it over there too. And so you want them to honor in both environments because if you're in disunity, disunity breeds every evil thing, the Bible says, where there's strife and disunity, you know, it opens the door for every evil thing. So you want to, as far as it depends on you, to try to be in unity and to honor so that your kids pick up that attitude of honor and respect. Pastor Jeff, this is a real uh, uh, vulnerable question here from someone. What would you say to an empty nester who wishes they could have another chance? Well, once again, we're praying with you. Um, Kids have their own choices, they have their own emotions, they have their own personalities. Um, In no way as we talk about this with young families are we saying, are trying to bring condemnation because we we meet a lot of people who feel uh, like they wish they could have done some things different and all of us do. So we're praying with you and believing that God's gonna touch your kids along the way. I would say to empty nesters as well, once again, as you model that behavior as you love, serve, honor them. Honor is not, again, agreeing with unbiblical beliefs or behavior. It's showing them honor and respect and value, which then increases your influence with them. So as you, as you honor them, we're believing that God's gonna do something and change their hearts. I always love to tell empty nesters, though, that if you say you want a do-over, then get involved in the kingdom of God and his church as well. Um, I meet so many empty nesters come to Milestone. I see all of you, and of course there's a lot of you online. I see all of you uh, every week, and so the devil always tells you, you're the only one like this. That's what always happens. So I'll meet empty nesters say, this church is full of young people. Then the single people will be like, this church is full of married people. The truth is, we have big groups of people at all stages of life. And if you're an empty nester, let me encourage you, you can't retire, you can't get on the sidelines. We need your input in a culture today that's caustic toward family. In spiritual family, you have such an opportunity to offer your wisdom and pass it on to those that are coming behind you. So I, I, I'm, I'm putting you in the game, okay? Awesome. You're, you're very, very important to what God's doing. Awesome, will you join me thanking Pastor Jeff and Brandy for sharing their wisdom with us? Before you guys head oh, off, gonna pray? Yeah. Okay. Would, you, would you pray for us? Yes, uh, absolutely. Please, thank you. Lord, I just thank you for every 
family that's in here, every single person, God. I just thank you that in your word, it says that you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So Lord, we know that you are with us, that you've equipped us, God. You've given us everything we need, Lord. Help us to just walk in it daily. God, help us to lean into you. Help us to just um, understand your principles, your precepts, God, and hide them in our heart, Lord, so that when we're in that moment, God, that we can just lean into your word. Lord, I pray that you would give us the power, the power to, um, to do what's right even when it doesn't feel good, Lord. And I pray that you would just give us everything we need in our marriages and our parenting. Lord, I pray that you would restore marriages that are broken right now. For those kids that are far away from God, Lord, I pray that you are bringing them back into the fold with their parents. Right in this moment, God, that you have captured their heart, Lord, and that you are turning them back to the hearts of their parents, Lord, and to you, God. And we thank you that you're a good God and that you created family and you're the author of it and we can trust you with it, God. And, um, and we just love you. And Jesus' name. Lord, I pray your blessing upon each home, each family, every future home for every single person. Lord, we pray that your blessing would come on these homes. Lord, I pray for husbands to love their wives, for wives to respect their husband, children to obey their parents. Lord, it's the area we care about so much, and yet we also recognize we can't do it in and of ourselves. So we ask for your power, the grace that comes from you, the power of your Holy Spirit to show up and be in us what we can't be ourselves. So Lord, we thank you for your blessing upon every single home in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.